0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, We'll be taking our reading from Selected Proverbs today. Once I am done reading, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. Please do respond by saying thanks be to God. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. A hot-tempered person stares off conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. The heart of the wise makes their mouth prudent, and their lips promote instruction. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, for the ears of the wise seek it out. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Like a broken tooth or lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in a time of trouble. Like an archer whose wounds at random is one who hires a fool or any passerby. A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly." This is the word of the Lord.
1: Sorry, Thank you, thank you Warren. Good morning everyone. Uh, nice to see us here, um, and for those who are watching, welcome you, and if you are new here, very happy that you, you come. Um, well, it's the last uh, sermon though, in a sermon, a short sermon series that we've been doing, but I still hope that it will be a blessing to you if this is your, your first time. Um, I forgot to introduce myself. Um, my name is uh, Femi, and um, I am, well, most people will say that I'm lead pastor here. No, they will say that I am, actually, but, but I, ha- I go by a number of other titles. So that lead pastor one is just, is not the one I really like the most. So if you really want to know who I am, I'm not just lead pastor here. I'm also the prominent son of the Jebus soil. Um, I am the sole promoter of the Elloran town. Elloran people, yeah, exactly, exactly. But my favorite title is being the CSTO of City Church. What is the CSTO? I'm glad you asked. I am the chief storytelling officer. Welcome to a storytelling session. Story, story. Story. Once upon a time, I want to talk to you about BELU. This is the story of BELU. BELU got into Intratech, the second largest Uh, tech solution provider in Nigeria just age 21. He got employed before completing his NYSE. Not only did he finish university with a first class, but he also racked up a ton of certifications and had built two functioning apps for his parents' business and another company. He hit the ground running at Intratech by demonstrating his abilities and he got promoted six times in three years, the last of which was to lead a team of eight developers. He was so happy during this time as the company regularly showcased him on their website, made him lead workshops, and so on and so forth. Four years after, though, he is not happy and he wants to leave. Because while his salary has continued to rise, he doesn't believe he can achieve his immediate dream of becoming GM of business solutions and probably CEO at Intratech again because he's not been promoted in those four years. Added to this pain was that Priya, who he had, who he heard had barely finished with a 2-1 in mass communications from a state university and joined Intratec two years after him from another company, had just made deputy GM of business solutions after working five years in communications and corporate affairs department. He doesn't like her because, according to him, he's seen through her general likability. He believes she's too political, too inauthentic, too manipulative, too deceptive. She's too political... Which is why she cheats, uh, which is why she chats with and kisses the asses of all the bosses. She's too inauthentic, which is why she never speaks her mind, but is always controlling her emotions. She's too manipulative, which is why she goes around asking about the welfare of those directly under her, or the junior staff who are not even under her, even though she doesn't really care about them. And she's too deceptive, which is why most customers tend to always like her. He cannot stand her. And now rumor has it that she's being groomed to eventually become the next CEO after the founder steps down in five years' time. Belo is sick of it. He says, thank you. Belo is sick of it. He cannot play office politics and kiss ass. He cannot be plastic and not speak his mind when things go wrong. He will not ask junior staff about their personal lives if they don't invite him to. And he will only allow his work to speak for him when it comes to customers. He cannot understand why these have not worked at IntraTech. With all their posturing about being a good place to work and how good work is always rewarded. He hopes to get it better somewhere else. And they live happy now nah, that they did it. <laughs> well, um, I'm sure we have a couple of billows here. I'm sure, some of us resonate with his story, and you are wondering exactly. I know, it's not just Intratech, my own company, too. They've, I've not been, look at the, who is praying pray in your, I'm sure some of you are saying pray in your life, right? Just allow her, don't hate on her, because I'm not going to hate on her. Before you think um, we should hate on her, and that is right, consider this, just a small exercise. What do you think um, the shape of a company looks like as people rise? Is it this one where you see the five people that come in at this point. When they rise, you know they go, and they go, and they go, and they all go to the top, right? Karl Marx would be very proud of this. <laughs> right? How many of us be, uh, think it's a square? Or maybe it's something like this. So the five of them go, and then four, and then three, and then two, and then one. In most organizations that actually do work, Is it a square, or is it a triangle? You see, the higher we go in an organization, the less available spaces there are, which means that it is more difficult to ascend in the selective process. The mistake a lot of people make is thinking that the same qualities that got them in and gave them their initial promotions will be the ones that will also get them to the top or some people make the mistake of thinking that the same qualities that enable them to establish their business will be the same one that will enable them to sustain that business in growth you see the essential quality that separates you from others as you rise in an organization or you continue to grow your business is not really your IQ that is your intellectual quotient but quite frankly it is based on what some call your EQ and I can put in an SQ, which is your emotional and your social quotients. Now, for the last time, through the book of Proverbs, we want to see how we can develop these things that enable us to distinguish ourselves in a market that is quite tough. Now, don't forget that the Bible tells us the story of how God is redeeming his creation. Part of his creation, the apex of his creation is, whole, is humanity. So in other words, the Bible tells us a lot about human beings. And so if you want to develop yourself in these emotional and social components, I do think that the book of Proverbs does tell us a lot about that. And so that's where we want to end this series. Um, uh, um, um, This series, yes, that's where we want to end this series. (laughs) And I do pray that God would... Um, after this sermon, but at the end of the series also that God will move us one step closer to being the worker and the and the and the leader that He's called you to be. Amen. Amen. Alright, so but before we do that, let us pray. Lord, so now we need you. Um this is such a difficult topic. This is not the uh most interesting of topics, but yet, oh Lord, we know that it is really Relevant for us. So I do pray, oh God, for ears that listen. I do pray for hearts that would receive. I pray, Lord Almighty, that you would allow this teaching to fall like rain, allow my words to descend like dew, like showers on new grass, and like abundant rain on tender plants. I pray, Lord God, that you would change people's minds today. I pray, Lord God, that you change people's paths today. I pray, Lord, that they will meet with you and that I pray for a willingness to change, a willingness to listen. To be confronted, but also to follow God in the way of understanding. I ask all this through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen.
0: Amen.
1: So we're going to look at this emotional and social intelligence under three headings. Knowing yourself, knowing your people, and knowing your God. Knowing yourself, knowing your people, and knowing your God. Let's start with the first one, knowing yourself. Now, I'm sure a number of us here have gone for interviews. And you know how the interview starts, they try to want to make you feel, they tell you feel at home, feel at home. Like, no, (laughs) why, why, why is there a couch here or something, is the DSTV on, right? And then after that, after a few things, you don't, you now get to that question, that general question, tell me your weakness. What are your weaknesses? To which we, because we have already prepared for it, we then say something like this, my weakness. The problem is I care too much. I just care, you know? I, why? Things move me. My work moves me. And because I care too much, I get too passionate about my work. i too passionate. See, okay, this is my real weakness. I won't lie. This is my real weakness. If you hire me like this, eh, I work too hard. You won't be able to stop me. I can't stop. Now, the people that are laughing are laughing at themselves because you know you've done it before. Now, the truth is that if you've been hired, if you ever said anything like that in an interview and you got hired, can I tell you a secret? They didn't hire you because of that answer. Right? They just said, okay, no, not everyone is perfect. right? So they now put you in. Because the truth is this. When telling people the kind of person we are, we're often telling them the kind of person we wish we were, not who we really are. The moment anybody says, you know, the kind of person I am, I'm the kind of person that... Anytime somebody puts that preface, I already know they're not going to tell me who they really are. You know, things don't stick to me uh, very easily. I just allow things to go. <laughs> but that useless guy, eh? <laughs> <laughs> self-assessment. An accurate self-assessment is very difficult to do. We're either too pessimistic or optimistic, but we are really right. Notice how Proverbs 26, verse 16 describes the sluggard. A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. Let me translate that. They said this. If you take seven wise, uh, seven wise people that answer discreetly and take their wisdom and <laughs> compile it, then you take a sluggard who is absolutely foolish and say, look at the accumulation of this wisdom and look at yourself. Who is better? I say, I mean, <laughs> of course. Because his own eyes see something else. And here's the problem with not being able to accurately understand ourselves. If you don't really understand yourself, if you don't read yourself properly, you won't be able to improve yourself because you don't don't know what requires fixing. Proverbs 14 verse 29 says, oh no, let me not go into that yet. So the result is someone, the slugger that we just saw, the result is someone who has the inability to listen. How many times? Have you had a conversation with somebody like, hey, let's talk about, you know, let's talk about your work. Let's talk about or what happened, that incident. And as you are talking, you know how you, you are talking with the person. The person is looking at you because the person has learned, you know, the, you've gone to listening classes. And they say always make eye contact with the person. So the person is looking at you. But as you are seeing the, the person, the person is processing something. You're processing, like, are you here? Yes, i here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I'm here. You know what's happening. As you're trying to give them feedback about themselves, what are they doing? They are already forming what they are going to say. And so at some point, they just interrupt. Or when they finish and you say, "Like, were you listening to what I said at all? <coughs> listening is a skill, a hard skill that must be developed. Because without it, Not only will you not be able to understand yourself, you won't believe or accept whatever people are telling you about each other. And that makes it hard for you to work with others. So even though you are technically gifted, they say, what do we do with this person? We don't want to lose them. So let's just keep giving them projects that make them work on their own, but not to work with someone else. They don't make you responsible for people. I last week I oh, I don't know whether it was last week or the week before. I shared about a place that I worked. I said we could never fire a particular person that was that was uh, in sales because he was bringing in ninety something percent of our sales. Right? You don't fire you don't fire somebody like that. You just don't. But I also spoke about his character. It wasn't really great. Now imagine somebody bringing some. Imagine having someone who brings 90-something percent of your sales, and you can't make him head of sales. We couldn't. Because we knew he could not manage a fly. Well, sorry, flies are very difficult to manage, actually. (laughs) But he couldn't. And so we just had to find ways of creating new, uh, we'll say he's been promoted, but we say he's the main supervisor of sales and so on. You know, you still keep creating stuff that makes him keep moving horizontally, but not vertically and keep increasing his salary because he's bringing in commissions. But that's the point. How good are you at listening? Listen to what Proverbs 13 verse uh, 3 says. It says, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Speak rashly. You're not listening as they are trying to say, this is who you are. And every time somebody tries to help you, they try to help you, you always speak. You speak before you listen. That's why Proverbs eighteen thirteen says this, to answer before listening, that is folly and what shame. So how do you develop? How do you become a better listener? Well, I'll tell you one of these things. Yes, do what they told you in the listening class. <laughs> like... Enter into conversations, particularly the ones where it's feedback and all of that. Enter into conversations saying, you determine to yourself, I will not speak until they are finished. I will not speak until they are finished. Now, that only helps you in the first part. But how do we know that you really heard what they said? Tell them before the conversation starts, okay, here's what's going to happen. You will talk. After you talk, before I respond, I will tell you everything that you said. And only after you have said, that's what you said, will I respond. So don't interrupt. But at the same time, when you finished, say, is this what you said? Amen. Because the one that speaks before they listen displays their folly. That's folly and shame. Now, why is this? Self-observation and self-knowledge really important. Because it eventually not just affects your actions, it also affects sorry, your, your words, but it also affects your actions. It affects your words. I say you speak, and communication is such an important aspect of what it is to work together. Some of us find it very difficult to control our mouths. And I'm not just talking about the people who just blow their top. I'm talking about you that are very passive-aggressive. You know that kind of snap remarks. Like, uh, when are you getting that thing done? Um, I'll get it done after you see on your table that I've already done it. And, like, and, I, and at that point, you're like, what, was, was that an insult? Why am I feeling like this? I, you know? And then are like, wait, wait, wait. I, wait, am I even your mate? As in, why can't you talk? But you're not sure. You know, this, those comments are there. We know how to keep giving it, jibing those things. There are many people, or oh, maybe I should talk about this one first. I worked somewhere um, where at some point, the MD was making a sort of transition. He couldn't always be around. So he needed to bring in someone who would do a lot of what he used to do. Now, this, so I, I was already in that place. Um, so when he brought in this person, the person started off well, trying to know everybody, you know, sunshine. You know how it is when a new boss comes in. Well, look, don't worry, we're all going to win together. We're all going to, everything is going to, happy days are here. And usually, happy days don't last beyond a week or two. You start to see the person. Now, I started to notice that he had a short fuse. He had a short fuse. He, you know, he had a short fuse. So I started telling the MD, because I started seeing that I was alienating people. And there was a particular person in, that he used to really annoy him. It was the best, actually, the best technical person that we had. But somehow, they never really got along. And I used to tell the MD, this is a problem, or this is a problem. But he wasn't always around. And things were getting worse and worse. I eventually left, company for some other reason. I heard that about two to three months later, there was an incident where they started talking, started talking, and and I need you to understand this. The, the, the best guy in technical was a married man, and he had children. And i are saying, why am I saying that? Because eventually, I heard that that man slapped him. He slapped a married man with children. Can you allow that to sink in? Now, before you start judging him, some of you here, you've wanted to slap some people in your office. It's only the fear of God and the fear of termination that didn't allow you to do it. What happened with that man? That man did not understand himself and what was going, off, going on enough that he then eventually lost control. He eventually lost what? Control. Many times we celebrate people who come up with brilliant ideas, people who, whose IQs are so sharp, maybe this wonderful musician or maybe this wonderful actor that makes us all laugh. But actually, speak to the people that they work with. They say this person has lost control. This is why Proverbs says this. Better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who, what? Takes a city. You're like, ah, thank God. That person was able to conquer this, conquer that, conquer the market, conquer the competitors. Yes, until they started conquering their staff. If you want to be someone who develops good emotional intelligence, it eventually is going to help you, not just in understanding yourself, but in controlling yourself, self-regulation. A friend of mine was working in one of the most celebrated uh, tech startups in Nigeria. If I call the name, you'll know. But why are you laughing? You don't know it now. You don't know it. No, you will know it, but you know now. Don't put me in trouble. Anyway, this person was working there. And the founder of the place is someone that is well celebrated. As they kept on going, though, something started to happen that happens in a lot of places. Started turning over staff. The staff that started working with him started turning them over. Very good people. And she was one of the last left. And it was... They were giving him feedback about his management style. It was aggressive. They were giving him feedback. She was giving him feedback about the fact that as they were bringing in more people, it was as though they weren't giving benefits and all of that to some of these people. Like they were always trying to manage the bottom line, and they weren't caring about people. But the moment you told him anything about that, you know what happened? You were on a blacklist. He couldn't control. He always was one who bore grudges. Are you that kind of person? As people are trying to give you feedback, you don't want to understand yourself. But here's what Proverbs says it says, The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, for the ears of the wise seek it out. That's Proverbs 18, verse 15. It acquires understanding about who? About yourself as well. Are you discerning? Which is why David, Israel's first king, says in uh, Psalm 19, verse 12, he says, Who can discern their own errors? It's a very difficult thing because in Psalm 36, verse 2, he says, In Psalm 36, verse 2, he says, uh, In their own eyes, a lot of people, the wicked, he says, In their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. What are we meant to do with our sin? To hate it. How can we hate our sin? We must first detect it. Why don't we detect our sin? Because we flatter ourselves. Again, back to what I said, we often like to project to people who we want to be, not who we truly are. And that starts to affect how we regulate ourselves. In fact, we don't really regulate ourselves. So how can we do this? Let me tell you a few things you can just do to help you to be able to not just read and understand yourself, but also to be able to be the kind of person that regulates yourself. You have to be comfortable. What I'll say is within the context of this, please be comfortable, be comfortable with becoming aware of your weaknesses. Not the kind of weaknesses I said above before about I care too much and all that. That you're actually this kind of person that loses your temper. You are this kind of person that is a bit lazy. You are this kind of... Be comfortable with knowing about your weaknesses. Now, if you do so, here are things you can do that help you with self-regulation. When you are in a session with somebody or you are talking with someone and they are saying maybe the person has not acted well. As you go into that, always remember your own weaknesses. I'm not saying your weakness at that point has something to do. The person has not done something well. But remembering your weakness helps you to regulate yourself in the way you respond to the person so that you don't go over and above. Do we get get what I'm saying? Remember your weakness. Second, speak to yourself. David Martino Jones, a former preacher in London, a Welsh preacher in Lagos, in in London said um, that part of the big humanity is this, that... Rather than um, rather than speaking to ourselves, we are often listening to yourself. You know why? Because lack of patience wants to prove ourselves. As that person is talking to you, like, "Hey, wow, ah, we will say, Okay, I know we started this company together. I know things like that. But it's five years now. Look at me now. Levels have changed now. You see? Why are you now talking? You okay? You two, you have an opinion, have you?" <laughs> There are things in you that will be speaking at that point. You have to crush that ego and say, no, I have to listen. Learn to speak to yourself. But those two things I've just said will only happen, will only happen if you develop, and I'm speaking to us as Christians, if you develop the habit of confessing your sins. You know, we do collective confession of sin, right? Some of us don't come on time, so we don't even do it. But some of us, when we read it, just like, eh, whatever. That's not doesn't apply to me. I've spoken many times about the fact that when I was in uni and I wasn't living a Christian life, but I had a Christian conscience, the, the worst time of the day for me was at night when I was not with anyone before I fell asleep. Why? Because at that point I could remember all the terrible things I'd done and I, it made me so uncomfortable to stand before God. Confessing sin is not an easy thing. Because you are telling yourself, I'm not as good as I think, as I, as I want to be. But if we practice in our prayers, in our Bible reading, as we see those things, if we are not seeing your enemies, you are not seeing your spouse, if you are not seeing your colleagues in the Bible, but you are seeing yourself, God critiquing you, if you are comfortable in naming your sin, doing that, when you are now faced with someone who is behaving badly, it is easier for you to be calmer. It is easier for you to be. Um, more humble by telling yourself, you know you two, you are this person. It's easier for you to speak to that thing that wants to prove itself at that point. And at that point, we are able to make the right decision. Is this clear? Now that takes me to the second thing, which is knowing your people. Knowing your people. Um, Remember Belo. Belo said he just wanted to do his job. What Now, as some of you will say, what is wrong with that? He said he just wants his job to speak for himself. He does not like to play office politics. How many of you here like to play office politics? Hands up if you like to play office politics. Hands up if you don't like to play office politics. Hands up if you think you've been listening to me at all. Because (laughs) some of you are not there. See them, see them. Now, first of all, he, say he, he says he doesn't like Pierre because Pierre plays office politics. He just wanted to do his work. He just wanted to do his job. First of all, politics is not a bad word. I know we live in Nigeria. And as we grow up, politics actually seems like a bad word. I know. But trust me, it wasn't really a bad word until Nigerians took it away. All right, <laughs> Politics, whenever you have people gathered together that are trying to live a common life and are trying to go on a common mission, you need to play politics. The first place we learn politics is where? At home, at home. Sometimes my little boy will come and meet me and say, Daddy, Daddy, do you think I can have this thing? I'll be like, OK, go ahead. He goes. Later, I'm not hearing the mom. Tell me, why did you take that thing? Daddy said I can't. <laughs> he played me. He, now that's a little bit more terrible, but sometimes it is. He wants something, and he knows he can't really get it to me, from me. So he goes to meet his mom. Butters up his mom. Uh, your mommy, I love you. Look at how beautiful you look. She'll be like, ah. I get a text. Do you know how, do you know how this team is so, he's so sensitive? Like, talking about how beautiful I am, I'm like, hey, something's coming up. You know? <laughs> Say something. Next thing, 10 minutes later, my wife has walked to my office. Maybe I can. Do, do you think we should just give him some? from bubble gum. I know it's not, it's not his day to get it, but I think we should just give him. Like, Can I see this boy? <laughs> he has. So politics is not always bad. That's my point. So that's the first thing. Second thing is this. What is his work? What is your work? He said, I just want to do my work. What is your work? Some of you say, I'm an engineer. I design stuff. That's it. Really? That's all? I'm an artist. I just write songs, that's it. I don't need to see people. I'm a screenwriter, I just write scripts, that's it. That's just my work. And you're working in an organization. Let me tell you, okay. for those of us, your work, when you have written your, your sketch, when you have designed your, your bridge, when you have done all those things, when you now present it to people and they start to criticize it, how do you feel? Not great. You know that picture you took? That picture you took, and then you are going to quote some Bible verse about how God speaks, and and you put it on Instagram, right? And then somebody is commenting, and saying, "Ah, why did you take it at this angle? You're not be like, now, wow, let me even see that one's profile itself. (laughs) See the pictures that you are even taking. What's going on? Someone is criticizing our work, and we don't like it. You know why? Because your work is an extension of your person. And so when they are critiquing the work, you feel like they are critiquing you. It's an extension of your person. Do you follow me? Your, the thing you've used your intellect to produce is an extension of you. So we take it personal because it's an extension of the person, right? But your person is not only your intellect. Your person also includes your emotion. Your person also includes your ability to socialize as well. So when he says that I want to do my work, listen, they didn't just hire his intellect. They hired him. And so if it is his person, it is his intellect, it is his emotions, but it's also his ability to socialize. Do you understand? His work included not just what he is going to type on the computer. His work also included socializing with people so that we can get these things done. That's why the great management guru Peter Joker said, a leader, by definition, has followers. Profound, I said it was great. <laughs> but really, he says you have followers. Because some people now, you see on their uh, Twitter hand- handle, right, um, who am I? I am a Christian, I am a thinker, I am a leader, I am a whatever. Following. 5,000 people, followers, 38. What? Well, he has followers. He is a leader. <laughs> but actually, you can't just say because a leader is leading people, so they are following. And notice the motion in that statement. That is, there are people that are following the leader, but that means the leader must have been going somewhere as well. The leader generates his own movement, and the people are ge- uh, the movement that they are generating is in accordance to the leader. But notice the social aspect of this thing. As human beings, we are social people. When we work, we are social people as well. You cannot ignore it. The problem with people like Belo is this. Because of their higher IQ and their feeling, their sense of self-worth and importance, which is I'm not going to, as I said, my work should speak for myself. I don't speak to people. The problem with those kinds of people, let's quite frankly say, they are very, very self-centered. And if communication is important for working, collaboration also is really important. We can hardly ever achieve anything on our own. But self-centeredness does not allow us to effectively collaborate with people. Some of us probably work in a consultancy firm. And you know, that means everybody had a 2-1 or a first class. Or maybe you work in a, high, uh, in a very wonderful law firm. Everybody 2-1, first class. And you think because we've gathered all this talent together, when we put them in a room together, we'll get great ideas. What did you get? You got chaos. Because as this one said, this idea, like, eh, you two are suggesting an idea. No, I think it's this one. No, that one is terrible. No, that Because they are self-centered. They are brilliant, but they are self-centered. And at the end of the day, collaboration couldn't happen. Are you following me? Which is why if you are developing a social quotient, the main purpose is to move people somewhere. Is to move people somewhere. Whether you're a leader, you want to move your followers. If even you... As a subordinate, you want to move your boss to do what? To promote you. If you own a business, you want to move your customers to patronize you. We need to learn the skill of moving people, leading people. But Paul says, if you try and achieve it by being self centered, it won't work. So in Philippians 2, verse 3 to 4, he says this Do not do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, develop humility. Humility is an absolute emotional, a skill but also a social skill develop humility and value others in humility value others above what not looking to your own interest but each of you to the interest of others when you do that you get people moving now let me just break down two components about it because people moving your ability to do this people moving is going to depend on two things people moving equals to let's let me put in an equation people moving equals to... People reading and people inspiring. Oh, sorry. Leading people lead is equal to reading people plus inspiring people. All right? Reading people and inspiring people. Now, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had some friends. He not only had friends in low places, he had friends in high places. They really liked the guy. So they eventually said, let's throw a nice, let's throw a party for him, All right? They threw a dinner for him. They had, uh, I think they came from a wealthy family, Lazarus, Mary... And Martha. So they throw a gig for Jesus. And you know, sometimes, most parties, wonderful things happen. We know what's going to happen. What is it? We eat. We dance. We, there's music. And we converse. Good. Abby? How many of you have thrown a party when somebody then came in and then said, perfume? Bah! Broke the perfume. And then, after you broke the perfume, you now carry your hair into the perfume, and then you start using the hair to sweep somebody's legs. Yeah, where things happen in Jesus' time. So this, but this is what happened. A woman came in, broke a very, very expensive piece of perfume, and used the perfume to start anointing Jesus' feet with her legs. And then what happened? There was one of Jesus' disciples, the treasurer. He saw what this thing was. And I was like, what a waste. This is John 12, uh, John 12, verse 5 to 6. His name is Judas, by the way. He saw it was a waste. Now, look at... Um, He said this, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Imagine that, a laborer's wage. That's how expensive the perfume was. And you think your perfume is good. Sorry. Right? Now, what did Judas see? He said this thing should have been sold for the poor. Now, the person that is writing this book is a guy called John. Here is what you need to understand. When Judas said this, that's exactly what John also felt. That's exactly what John felt. You see, because Judas was the one that betrayed Jesus, when Judas was uh, was was going to betray Jesus, when Jesus said, "Ah, one of you will betray me, nobody knew it was Judas. It is in the aftermath of all of that that's happened because John wrote this book decades after the thing had happened. So it's in hindsight, he knows. Do you understand? So, but when Judas said what Judas said, that wasn't actually what he really felt. There was something deeper going on. The reason Judah said this is verse 6. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it, into it. So let me translate. When Judah said this thing should have been given to the poor, what he meant was this. They should have sold it and given it to our ministry so that we can give it to the poor. But of course, you know now, it has to... He passes his toll gate, so it's his own toll gate, right? But here's what I want you not to miss. What Judas said and what Judas meant were two different things. Are you able to read from people's statements what they are really saying? Many times we examine things at the surface, and we don't see what people are actually saying. Many times we look for an event to happen to know that the event has happened. And be like, eh, isn't that the way it is? No. A key trait of somebody who distinguishes themselves, who becomes a leader, is the ability to observe trends that will lead to an event before the event happens. To observe the trends that lead to an event before the event happens. I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I was working somewhere I had a few people under me, and I wasn't going to, uh, I traveled, so I wasn't going to be in a place of um, primary assignment, which was, we were doing an event. So there are normally a number of things I would supervise. So I'd put some people and say, hey, guys, watch over, there was a person that was next to me. An issue developed in the event, something was going to happen with the sound and all of those things. Now, somebody's narrating to me what happened. So I then said, okay, so the people that were there, when that stuff happened, what did they do? they now told me so there were a number of people there was the person that was most senior there was the person that was most junior and a few people and now said they said uh, when that thing was happening the person that was most junior immediately saw what was going to happen so that person i went to the person that was most senior and said this thing is going to happen and he said eh and that one was still trying to know i don't think so blah blah before the thing happened that guy just moved the ju- most junior person he moved went spoke to one or two people sorted the thing before it happened at which all the other people like, ah, there's God, though. Thank God it happened, and now we can all move on, and let's serve in our places. When I was told that, that most junior guy, I put him on a fast track for leadership. As far as I know, he's doing, still doing, he's above all those people now. He's doing very well in that post. Why? Where other people were seeing just the event that was averted, I, as the leader, was seeing the trend of somebody who would eventually become a future leader. Why? He saw a situation when others didn't see the situation. Second, he took ownership of it. And third, he demonstrated responsibility to solve it. He will repeat that action in other kinds of things. Are you following closely? All of them had their technical abilities, but is, were you able to see the thing beneath the thing that we all see? That's why I love this proverb. Listen to what it says. It says, the prudent see danger and take refuge. This uh, 22 verse 3. The prudent see danger and take refuge. The simple keep going and pay the penalty. The prudent, they see danger. Not that the danger has actually happened. But they see the trend of what's going to eventually lead to the danger. So they take refuge. The simple is like, the sky is blue now. everything, And they just keep walking and they pay the penalty after. Why is this thing important? Even for how do we hire people, how do we promote people? Many times we just look at it, I just like this person, or this person has done this thing, and you hire them. Listen to another proverb. It says, like an archer who wounds at random is the one who hires a, f- a fool or any passerby. If you are not able to read people properly, you will put people in the wrong positions, and or you hire different people that you are not meant to hire. Our ability to read human beings is an essential trait that starts to distinguish us as we move up or if we want to move up. Amen? Amen? So learn to always ask why. When you see something, don't just see the what, ask why. What's going on behind that? Then ask another why. Some people say you ask five whys before you can get to the core of what's going on. Second thing people inspiring. Or inspiring people. Do you know there are some people? I don't know why. Maybe you are one of those people. You take pride in the fact that people don't like you. What's up with that? It's the end of the year. Your boss is doing a party. Are you going for the party? I don't think so. I don't want to go where all these people are. And I know you are not going for your boss's party. You didn't go. OK, second, second year, the, your boss threw a party. You didn't go again. Then the next year, you are crying that they didn't give you promotion. No, because my work should speak for What is your work? People don't invest in promoting people they don't like. Let me, t- let me translate it for you. You don't like to be liked, Abi. Your boss doesn't want to spend time with people that don't want to be liked. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, don't, don't be kissing ass for the sake of it, but you have to understand. Socializing is an important part of work. Your customer, you say, have, have we not just giving them the product? Listen, there are customers, there are people. I've been using the same barber that comes to cut my hair at home since 1996, 25 years. I know it shows on my head sometimes. It's not, I know. I know I'm not, you know, trending, yes. And I know he's not the best. I know he's not a. Wait, Dami, are you trying to judge me? Look at your hair like uh, the top of a pineapple. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yes, I said it. I said it. He's not the best. He's not the cheapest. But you know, when we are together, we talk about life, we talk about family, we talk about. Yeah, he's a national fan. He's a problem. Right? We talk about these things. He sends me text. I don't always, you know, he's praying for my family. I'm like, ah, man. Even though I don't respond, I'm like, ah, things are going well with my family. Maybe it's this guy's prayers. <laughs> and then you now go to one of those ecoe uh, barber shops and you have to now sit down for three kids, they don't care how you, yes, they might give you a better haircut. But I'm like, ah, I like to be pampered. I like to be pampered a little bit. Do you understand what I'm saying? It matters. You know why you are telling people that they, you value them? That's what is happening. So if you want to be able to inspire people, because people who inspire people are those who are able to, if you read people well, you are able to give a definite word that is needed at the right time for the right occasion. So you have to have empathy towards them. You have to have empathy towards people. You have to like people. I know it is hard sometimes, because it's hard liking you, too. But try. Try to show people that they matter, they value. That's why we do things. You hear someone's mom died, or someone, the, the aunt died. Send them a text somewhere. You know. This is what Priye was doing, and he said that she was being inauthentic. Even people that were not directly under her, she showed care for them. He said that, oh, they didn't invite. They don't have to invite. Like, Wow, she noticed me. You think if they were doing election for the CEO, who do you think they would have elected? Pray uh, uh, or 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 Belo. Who, who do you even vote for, sir? Who said Jack, uh, Who said Belo? Let's know who you are because you're that kind of person. <laughs> I am not saying seek people's approval no matter what. I am saying, Jesus grew in favor with God and with who? His men. Don't put on a badge of honor like I don't want to be liked. Finally. Let's take the last point, knowing your God. Now, someone is going to say, I hear what you're saying about knowing myself and knowing people. I get it. But this is a bit deflating. You know why? I won't lie. I find it very difficult to control myself. And actually, I'm being convicted. Now, I understand why. It's cost me a lot in my career. It's cost me a lot. Or somebody else is saying, the truth is I'm not good with people. I actually don't like socializing. What can I do? I want to say, it's not, if it's what can you do. I'll say, try and think about the things that I have said already. But your question now is actually something deeper. You say, I'm reading people That's what I'm doing. I'm reading behind the... (laughs) Your question is saying something deeper. Because you are saying, if I put in my effort to do all of these things, and I still fall short, I can't deal. I'm already contemplating the rejection. This is why this person started following that person. This is why they didn't invite me for this thing. I am now coming to terms with myself. I'm coming to terms with the fact that people constantly reject me. And I can't live with that. And I agree with you. If you live as one that is constantly rejected, and you accept that they reject you because of the shortcomings that you have, and you think you cannot change, I can't see how you will grow. And yet, what we are saying is that you should grow in these things. But if you put in self-effort, the self-effort will only remind you of your inability. For some of us, it is, oh, I've succeeded. Your self-effort will be telling you that you actually don't need to improve in any case. And we all need to improve. Because you will never get your EQ and your SQ. Perfectly, meaning you will never be able to totally self-regulate yourself. Neither would you always be able to inspire and lead people or move people. So what do you do? Well, first of all, this is what you need to do. Don't build your identity, even though I say improving them. Don't build your identity simply based on your SQ and your EQ. If you do that, you will see your shortcomings. And when you see your shortcomings, you will not be able to live with the person that is telling you that you are. What you, de- what you need at that point is not your SQ or your EQ. You need your GQ. Yeah, the new issue just came out, I think. No, no that's not what I'm talking about. He a GQ. What do I mean by that? Now, remember Jesus. Let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus had the perfect score on his SQ and his EQ. Jesus said in John 2, chapter 24 to 25, about people... You think you can read people. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, he would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need testimony about mankind, for he knew what was what in each person. If you think you are bad, you are not as bad as you think. I'm sorry, you are badder than you think. And yes, I use the word badder. Right? If you think you if you think you are you have small evil, Jesus will tell you, man, you're evil eh? <laughs> that you don't know what you are made of. Jesus sees through you. You think you have laws no, uh, EQ and SQ. Jesus says, Let, we have not even started. He knows what is exactly in all of us because his SQ is number one. But Jesus also has perfect EQ. He knew himself in a way nobody else did. He understood why he came. He understood where he came from. He understood where he was going. He knew his purpose. That's why he says, if I have to testify about myself, John eight fourteen, my testimony is valid. Most of us, our own testimony about ourselves is not valid. Jesus said, my testimony is valid, and I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. Now that same Jesus who knows you thoroughly, He's saying, I can change you. I want to change you. I will change you. And all of that change is going to come as a result of where he's going because of his self-knowledge. Where was Jesus going? Jesus was talking about where he was going. He was talking about the death that he was going to experience and the resurrection and his ascension that he was, talk- that he was going to go to heaven to his throne. Why is that important? Listen. For many of us at this moment you have assessed yourself and you say, I'm not very good. I now understand why my bosses reject me. I now understand why that business failed. I now I understood, I now understand why that NGO didn't quite take off. When you think about all of these things, you keep thinking about your rejection. You keep thinking about how those relationships were not deepened and broken because they knew you and because you didn't fully know yourself. know with God this is different. He actually knows you fully. He knows you more than you know yourself and he sees all the weaknesses and because of what Jesus did, not only does God know us, we can know him. Galatians 4 verse 9 says this, but now that you know God or rather scratch it, you have been known of God. That is what the GQ is. GQ is our gospel quotient Or our gospel intelligence It tells us this That no matter the imperfection You can see in yourself If you go to God through Jesus Christ Where others may reject you God will always accept you It's on that basis That we have the freedom to say I am going to pursue growth in this thing Because this thing doesn't define me God has already accepted me So I'm going to pursue my emotional quotient I'm going to pursue my social quotient As one who is already accepted if you want to distinguish yourself, if you want to grow in these things, I'll tell you this: don't first think about your EQ or your SQ. Think about your GQ. Where does the gospel play? What does the gospel play in your life? Because the gospel says this: when God looks at us, it's not that he's impartial. It's this, he doesn't look at us based on our own SQ and our own EQ, but on the SQ and EQ of Jesus Christ. And that is why he accepts you. So I want to say to somebody here today, maybe you are just thinking about how can I improve myself at my place of work. I am saying this, the way you improve yourself at your place of work is to improve yourself for all eternity. Come to God through Jesus. This is the one who has already thoroughly examined you and thoroughly knew himself. And he's saying, if you come, God can know you and you can know him. But for those of us who already know him, I'm saying this. This is the freedom that you need. This is the freedom. This is the liberty. The mindset that enables you to live for others and not for yourself. The impetus to love other people who are not like you. The courage to socialize even when you don't feel like it. This is how to live like Jesus. And if you do this, God will distinguish you. How do I know? Remember Philippians 2, verse 3 to 4, where it says that we should think about the interest of others and not ourselves. It tells us how we can do that or why we should do it. And I want to close with that. So let's rise to our feet. And we're going to say the verses that come after that. This is the mindset that we need. This is the mindset that gives us GQ. GQ. I know you have read it before, but I want us to read it in unison. I want us to read it with confidence. I want us to read it as a sense of declaration. That going forward, this is what God is going to use to set us apart. That Jesus not only went to the cross, but on account of what he did there, God did something for him. Let's read it together. Philippians 2 verse 5 to 9. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Jesus. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. I want to pray for us. That as you start to look at the interest of others, that God will distinguish you. As you start to look for the interest of the organization and not yourself. As you start to look to to socialize with people despite your comfort. Because this is the example that Jesus has done. In the same way that God has exalted Jesus above all others. May the Lord God Almighty exalt you and them.